Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly, here to tell you that we have a brand new podcast called Halloween Unmasked, premiering Monday, October 1st. Here's a sneak peek. There's trouble in the suburbs. A teenage girl named Lori Strode crosses a quiet street toward an ordinary house to find her friends. But Lori doesn't know that her friends are dead, and she doesn't know that she's walking right toward the masked killer, Michael Myers. The movie is Halloween. And Halloween just, it was like a, it was a breath of fresh, putrid air. He's a pure, unknowable evil. I'm film critic Amy Nicholson, and this is Halloween Unmasked, a podcast series from The Ringer celebrating the remarkable and terrifying rise of America's most revolutionary horror film. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to Halloween Unmasked and watch your back. I, I think the scariest part was that he doesn't die at the end. So when you're 10, it's like, that guy's still out there. <laughs> we, we gotta get him. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm joined by my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. What's up, DK? What's going on, man? What happened to the uh, come one, come all? I was really uh, looking forward to that this week. You, you made me self-conscious about it last <laughs> week, so I didn't do it, because I was like, no. I don't know, it's like, I like the vibe of it, but then everyone kind of laughed, and... I love it. It's oh, great. Right, we got to well, keep that in there. All right. Well, come one, come all, everybody. Just, you know, I'll bring it back next week. <laughs> anyway, uh, we can dive in. You should see the look that uh, full-time Craig is giving me. But uh, we're going to dive into the Le'Veon Bell situation and just dive, you know, what the hell is going on? Is he going to yeah, show up? Should you trade for him? Uh, but first, before we do that, we're going to dive right into initial advice. So DK is going to give his Dark Knights. I'm going to give my designated hitters. Mm-hmm. All right, who's your first Dark Knight of the Week, TK? Kiki Kuti from uh, the Texans kind of emerged in his first action this year. He actually set, I think he's an NFL record since 1970 for most catches in a debut. He had 11 catches last week, 109 yards for the Texans. Really, really fast slot guy, kind of plays all over. Uh, they used him a little bit on like sweeps and things like that. He played 80% of snaps. That was helped by the fact that Will Fuller had a hamstring injury, so that's something to monitor. But I think even if Fuller is back next week, um, Kuti is still going to be a big part of that offense. You know, um, They just don't have a ton of depth at that receiver position, and he's already kind of proven that he can be a playmaker for him. So, um, yeah, I like I like Kuti going forward. He's a, he's a must-add at this point. Do you think that he could surpass Fuller on the like on a week-to-week play? Or no, I think he, oh, number one, he's he's more of a PPR guy because I think his his value is going to be volume, not necessarily touchdowns. Because obviously, Will Fuller's got that amazing chemistry with Deshaun Watson as a touchdown scorer, and then DeAndre Hopkins is just going to be DeAndre Hopkins. But I mean, they're going to pass a lot. I, I was just looking at um. I was just looking at Watson's numbers. He's passed 34 times, 32 times, 40 times, 42 times in the four games this year. And so there's just, you know, there's a lot to go around. And the way he's played, I think, is really, really encouraging over the past few few weeks. I think got off to a little bit of a slow start and people were starting to wonder what was going on. But he's looked really good the last couple of weeks. So I'm excited about the Texans offense. And I had my eye on Bruce Ellington kind of as like a late you know, like a like a real stash guy, just in case there's any injuries in that offense. Now that Ellington's gone, like Kuti steps into that role, and I think you know he he has the potential to just kind of be that over the middle type, you know, dump off option for Watson. Did you Google how to say his name before we started? I did, yeah, and I we didn't actually good. land on a, an official kind of thing. There are some people that say Kuti. I'm going with Kuti. 
you're a cutie, DK. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My, my first designated hitter of the week, uh, Muhammad Sanu of the Falcons. Uh, they're playing Pittsburgh this week. So obviously Calvin Ridley has had an amazing last two weeks. Everyone's really on the Ridley train. But Sanu's still second in the team in targets. He's played more mm-hmm. snaps than Ridley. Ridley actually only played, I think, a little more than half their snaps uh, last week. Uh, he's also probably, Ridley is probably also going to start drawing a little more attention and get less one-on-one stuff. But there, it's also just an incredible matchup this week against the Steelers. Pittsburgh's one of f- just four teams that are allowing more than 300 passing yards per game. Their secondary is in shambles. Uh, they probably should have traded for Earl Thomas for last week. Yeah, They've given up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. In They've given up the most air yards, which is the deepest average depth of target. So teams are throwing downfield more against them than anywhere else. And then, um, DK, what do you think is the over-under for the Falcon-Steelers game? Guess. Oh, man. 60. Uh, it's 57. Jeez. But it's 57. So this is there's no I defense love, in this I game. I love 2018, man. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very 2018 game. Um, he's owned in half of his spend, but like 14% of Yahoo leagues. This is the That's number two receiver on this team. So I, all in incentive this week. Yeah, so this is kind of like... This is the riding the the Ridley hype type pick. You like that, huh? Because I, I, Ridley, I think, could be like a, even a sell high option for a lot of people right now. It's, it's that that's actually really interesting. I'm more I buy Ridley as part of the larger story about what the Falcons are doing. I'm not necessarily sure he's going to keep that going. But the touchdowns, I mean, can he keep scoring touchdowns? He's got like six. I think the Falcons offense <laughs> will keep going red zone at a high rate, not necessarily yeah. Ridley. But who's your next dark knight? All right, Taewon Taylor, the Titans. Um, the Titans offense has had a really weird year. Obviously, they started out with kind of they started out slow and then and then Mariota got hurt. Mariota got hurt. I keep saying Mariota. Mariota. Do we have a yeah. correction? Where's that correction we have of Mariota <laughs> saying his own name? Mariota. Mariota got hurt. And then um yeah, so anyways, basically they've just been out of sorts in the in the first few weeks and um I think people have kind of forgotten about that offense a little bit, but you they mean came the to offense life. coordinated by Matt LeFleur. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like I was really excited about this offense coming into the season. You know, it was it was a chance to get away from the malarkey, exotic Smash Mouth, and I I thought that Mario Mariota, God, Mariota was gonna You'll you get know there, break right? out and and kind of return to what he had been you know early in his career, and we finally kind of saw that last week. Uh, Taylor was one of the main recipients of that. He had seven catches, seventy seven yards. Um, his snaps have gone up every week. He started out week one, 13% of snaps. Then it was 41, 52, and 63 on Sunday. Shard Matthews, Delaney Walker, gone. Um, you know, so he's just inherited a bigger piece of the pie, I guess. And, and, and I do think that the Titans offense is kind of like ready to finally start looking like they're supposed to. And Corey Davis is another guy. If, if he's anywhere out on, there on your leagues, go get him too. But Taylor, I think, is the guy who's more available in a lot of leagues. And so you're not worried about Mariota having a nerve injury in his hand and like maybe possibly not really being accurate more than like twenty yards down the field. <laughs> I mean, there's that worry, but he looked pretty good last week. And I just think he's he looks more dynamic than he had in a long time. And then I mean basically any time last season, really. And so I think that was just really promising. And this is yeah, this is one of those things where Taylor was a, a big hype guy in the in like prior to the season, and I think a lot of people t- dumped him after the, the beginning of the year. And I think it's time to pick him back up now. All right, you love you love your Taylor Taylor. Yeah, me stick, sticking actually with the Falcons Steelers game, but on the other end of the spectrum, I love Vance McDonald on Pittsburgh. He's the tight end that's taken it's over a truck. from Jared. Yeah, he's, he's the semi. Obviously, the stiff arm of Chris Connie, RIP. Um, but yeah, I mean, tight ends desperate right now. <laughs> OJ Howard has a bye and is hurt. Uh, Greg Olson's hurt. Jack Doyle's hurt. Uh, Will Disley's hurt. Evan Ingram's hurt. Gronk is questionable for Thursday Night Football. Tight ends are abound. Uh, I like Vance McDonald because 
he's not like a safety valve. They're designing plays for him where he's like the primary option. We can get mm-hmm. into this um, later in the pod where we're talking about the Steelers, but he's really getting a lot of primary looks and design things in the backfield where he's getting flip plays. It's actually shovel passes. It's, it's really interesting. Falcons aren't awesome against tight ends and they've just been decimated. So I think he's getting a lot of the targets Le'Veon Bell used to get. So mm. I like him this week and the whole season. Yeah, five targets in each of the last two games, right? So that, yeah. I mean, that's at least a little bit consistent. I mean, the tight end position right now is just so hit and miss and you're just kind of hoping for a touchdown. But that kind of target consistency is nice. My next guy, Naheem Hines of the Colts. We talked, you know, in the past about picking this guy up on the pod. And so if you haven't done that yet, now's the time to do it. He kind of emerged as the, you know, the head of the multi-headed, you know, running back group in, in Indianapolis last week. Um, you know, four rushes of 10 yards, that's nothing. But he was a big part of the receiving game. 11 targets, nine catches, 63 yards, and two touchdowns. One of those was like a legit route where he like went up and caught the ball at the high point, like over Honey Badger. It was really great. Um, he played 73% of the snaps. Um, it is worth noting that the Colts dropped back to, to pass 66 times, which is the most in franchise history. So not all the games are going to have that kind of game script where they're passing so much. But Hines, I think, has separated from the pack in terms of his ability to be a factor in the passing game. And I think the Colts are going to continue to lean on, you know, that short pass, like dump off screen passes, things like that as they, as they really kind of, you know, continue to monitor Luck's shoulder. And so, um, you know, this guy's got a lot of his, he's, he's got a history of a lot of catches in college, just looks natural catching the ball and going forward playing new England, which doesn't have a lot of speed at their, at the linebacker position. You don't say. Could be good. Could be a good matchup for them. <laughs> I don't love Kyle Van Noy trying to cover Hines in the in open space. The obvious downside is that Marlon Mack is coming back, Robert Turbin's coming back, but I just don't have a lot of faith in either of those guys at this point. Yeah, as inside tackle runners, I think they're going to come and go, but I think Hines has his role pretty secure. So I, I mm-hmm. like that. My last one, this is the same logic of tight ends. I'm sure a lot of people are short on tight ends this week. If you're yeah. in de- more desperate straights, um, Austin Hooper, the Falcons, this is really more of just like a red zone gamble than like huge yardage. But basically my thinking is, uh, for one, they've, they've really actually started looking at him in the red zone. He's actually tied with Julio for like uh, scoring opportunities uh, for football great. guys. Yeah, so which is amazing. <laughs> uh, his are more spaced out. So they do look for him. But basically this week, going against the Steelers, who are the single worst team against tight ends this season so far mm. in terms of giving up fantasy points. Next week, they're uh, going against the Bucks. We're the second worst team against opposing tight ends. So it's kind of like, yeah. that's a pretty kind of dream one-two streamer. So mm-hmm. that's a nice like two-week stopgap. And then maybe you can pick up and start looking again elsewhere in week seven. But I, I like Hooper if you really just don't know what to do. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right, TK, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Did you get the Yahoo Sports app yet? Are you ready for live football on your phone? Are you ready, DK? I'm ready. There we go. (laughs) With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you get live, local, and primetime NFL games all season long. So never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Seriously, go get the app. It is your ticket to watching live NFL games wherever you want. No subscriptions, no fees. It's all football and all yours at the tap of an app. Watch live NFL games on the Yahoo Sports mobile app. And we're also brought to you by G Suite. G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. 
This is the foundation of the Fantasy Football Podcast and basically my entire professional life. Uh, these tools improve your work life, both in terms of your experience and the app which you create. Uh, hence the new campaign, Make It With G Suite. You know when you have 20 identical versions of document labeled final and no clue which is the latest. So you make another version and name that one final final, right? Well, with G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides let you make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of version after version after version after version of a project. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. That is really how we do basically everything at The Ringer, and it is the best I love it. workflow I've ever encountered. It is actually just <laughs> magical. To find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit gsuite.com. That is gsuite.com, G-S-U-I-T-E.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. All right, DK, now we're going to do a little lightning round. Um, mm-hmm. Thank me later, guys, for the waiver wire, either guys that we're in on the waivers or out on, whether you'd add them. You know, we don't know your leagues quite like you guys do, but whether it's right. someone you're stashing on your bench, maybe you have to plug and play them, or maybe you have to just keep an eye on them on your waivers. We're going to give our take on whether we, we like them or not. So shall we dive in? Yeah, let's do this. All right, DK, first one. Mike Davis of the Seahawks, who your beloved Seahawks. Yes. He actually had a really good game out of the blue because I think uh, Chris Carson was presumed starter for most of the week and then got hurt later in the week and then he was a late scratch. Everyone assumed Rashad Penny was going to be the starter from there, but no, it was Mike Davis. He rushed 21 times, 101 yards, two touchdowns, caught four passes for 23 yards, out-touched Penny 25-9. to nine. Um, He actually looked pretty solid, pretty good, like dynamic. I think if you're desperate for running back, it's worth picking him up at this point because Penny does not appear to have um, any hold of the job at this point. I don't know what Carson's status is going forward. He has a hip injury, and we don't really know exactly what's going to be. So he could be worth a speculative ad at this point. Wait, DK, I, I cede my time to full-time Craig, alum of San Diego State University. Craig, defend your boy, Rashad Penny. So everyone thought Sony Michelle was bad, right? Oh, look, they keep <laughs> playing him, and he has a fantastic <laughs> game. Let's give the ball to Rashad Penny. Sony and Michelle Penny was looked, playing in the Penny SEC. actually ran well. <laughs> Penny ran well in the game too. I don't. I really, you know, I've I've stopped trying to figure out what the Seahawks have, like what their strategy is. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why they drafted this guy in the first round if they weren't going to run with him. But yeah, I agree with you, Craig. I, I mean, Penny looked pretty solid. He didn't look great in the first couple of weeks, but in this last game, he looked pretty good. So I don't. I don't know what the deal is there. At the sake of keeping this a lightning round, I won't jump in. But I'll just suffice to say, I'll die. I'll die on the. I'll die on the Rashad Penny Hill. Can we call that just segment Penny for my thoughts? Penny for my send for my thoughts. <laughs> a full-time segment, yeah. Okay. That's, that's why he got hired. Uh, <laughs> lightning round. Uh, Antonio Callaway against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the last two weeks since Baker came in, he is third in the entire league in air yards um, from airyards.com, which is amazing. Basically, if every receiver caught the ball and immediately fell down, and it's a very good predictor of future performance. And Cowie's third in the whole league. He has not translated, but that means you can kind of get him. Yeah, he's flying under the radar because he keeps dropping passes. But I, that's not... Bad thr- Look, he, he's going to get one other day. So he's a... I like Callaway for the record, but yeah. The new Deshaun Jackson, but he's free. I like. I him. mean, I think we're, we, this is like get in on the ground floor of the new Bear, uh, the new exactly. Browns offense. And I think Callaway is going to be a big part of it. So I think, I, I, I definitely think he's a pickup. Similar-ish, but not quite as strong thoughts on Njoku if someone dropped him, or Duchance if someone dropped him. But what about your next good, DK? Andy Dalton. Um, are you buying in on him yet? I think he's having a really good season, and all of a sudden looks like he can throw it all over the yard. I think a lot of it has to do 
with the fact that Tyler Boyd has kind of emerged as his security blanket underneath. But Dalton, to me, in that offense with what Bill Lazor's done, I think he is at worst a streamer. And in some, you know, in some cases, he might be worth being a starter. So if he's still available in your league, I think he's worth a pickup. At I this like point. how you asked me if I was in on him yet to subtly shit on me after I just destroyed you for liking Andy Dalton in August. So there, you're welcome. You were right oh, about that, Andy Dalton. Did that happen? I, I, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, oh, you can but, yeah. there. Take revenge. Your I'll give it to you. Uh, Who's so your next guys? Th- these are like kind of obvious, but like not, not crazy. But to me, they're the same player, but same situation. TJ right. Yeldon and Latavius Murray. They are both highly capable backups playing behind someone you probably drafted in the second round who's dealing with a hamstring injury that will not go away. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're both owned in like basically half of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Murray actually a little less. Um, Dalvin can't, uh, Dalvin Cook said this week his hamstring is still not 100%. Uh, these are very similar things to me. This week they're different. The Jaguars play the Chiefs, so they'll be down. So Yeldon might actually have value independent of Fournette. He's been very good in the games. Fournette has played. Where Murray, the Vikings have had like crazy game scripts. They fell behind 27 points against the Bills, which, what the fuck? And then they had six rushing attempts. <laughs> the third time in NFL history a team has had just six. It's the lowest ever. And then they fell behind the Rams, and they also abandoned the run. I really think those two are outliers. They don't represent yeah. any— Look, it's a weekly game. It's worth having Yeldon and or Murray in your bench because any week that Cook or Fournette's out, they're really valuable. And actually, Yeldon, at the very least, might have value anyway. So I, if you own one of those dudes, you should definitely have them. But I think they have value independent. Yeah, the Fournette thing is, it looks like it's going to be at least two more weeks, maybe more. And so— I mean, in that offense, with you know, with their dedication to sort of the ground game and Bortles as quarterback, yeah, I think that's I think that's smart. My next guy is actually kind of similar to the whole Antonio Callaway thing. It's getting in on the ground floor, the the new look Cardinals offense with Josh Rosen under center, Christian Kirk. Um, they're playing San Francisco this week. The Cardinals last week in week three, I should say, he had eight catches for ninety yards. Week four, five targets, four catches, twenty eight yards. He had one big drop. I think he would have had a lot a lot more yards in this last game if he hadn't had this one big drop. So I think that last line doesn't really, you know, indicate where, how involved he was in the game. He's he's horseshoes one of those guys. and hand grenades. Horseshoes and hand grenades, DK. Yeah. And okay. so I think he he's a dynamic player. He was they wanted him in the draft for a reason. They're gonna get him the ball a lot. I think this is sort of a lost season for the Cardinals where they're just gonna try and develop their young guys. And I think Kirk could kind of emerge as one of the top playmakers in that offense behind Larry Fitzgerald. I'm afraid there's not enough volume in the offense will just suck even if Rosen looks good. So, I don't know. I, I like yeah. him. As a, I want him to be good. I'm afraid he won't. Uh, how do you feel about Mariota, though? I did two in a row, so I'm making you do two in a row. Mariota, man, I, I like him. And again, it was it was sort of re- really refreshing to see what he did. He was, um, you know, the, he was aggressive with his legs. He, he ran a little bit. And that's kind of one of the big things that Mariota brings to just the fantasy football realm is he's a good rusher. He, he adds, you know, adds that element. He scored a rushing touchdown last week in addition to his two passing touchdowns. Um, I think, you know, I think he's one of those guys that I think he was a very popular fantasy pick early on in the offseason. And then uh, the disastrous start, he, he, I think a lot of people dropped him. So he's probably available in a lot of leagues. If he is out there, I, I would say he's worth a stash at the very least to see if that, that offense can really take off. Well, so I mean, to be clear, so he has this nerve injury in his hand, and it affects, among other things, his grip, and that really reduces accuracy, especially the further you target downfield. So that was probably a huge concern for if you had, like, Corey Davis, and then suddenly you're like, oh, well, maybe it's not. Part of I me mean, actually he, thinks I would maybe sell those dudes while people think it won't be an issue, because I'm actually still afraid that that's, like, a huge concern. <laughs> so I actually am going to 
go against you on that. You're I would, selling. I, I'm down with Tywan Taylor, who's free. But like, if you have Corey Davis and someone thinks that he's he can Corey Davis can become who he's going to become, and that's still a scary week to week situation for me. Fair enough. Um, but before we move on, uh, let's take one more quick break. Football season is underway, and I'm sure a lot of us already have major regrets on our season-long fantasy teams. Oh, Paolo and I are about to go undefeated and bring our fantasy, so... By the way, teams suck. <laughs> but we spend all off-season researching and getting excited for the season, and then comes the pain, and our teams suck, and everything's terrible, and we don't remember why we do it, uh, which is why I'm so excited to be doing FanDuel this season. At FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week. Every week is a new season, so regardless of the outcome, you get to do it all over again. FanDuel has never been more fun or easy. It's the place to play if you're not a fantasy expert, or if you are and you just your team sucks and you drafted Jarek McKinnon. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Like the Gridiron Pick'em Contest every week, it's a free contest, and all you need to do is pick winners, no spreads, and $10,000 is split amongst the top pickers. New users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel, Come play with me at fanduel.com slash the ringer. That's fanduel.com slash the ringer. We already actually recorded our final segment, Intrigued Deterred, today. Uh, we <laughs> discussed potential scenarios for the Le'Veon Bell contract dispute at length for yes. quite some time. And then 30 minutes after we wrap recording, turns out plot twist, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that he will show up during Pittsburgh's week seven bye, <laughs> thus making everything we discussed earlier for complete not, but still interesting <laughs> to talk about. Uh, yeah. So we kind of wanted to rerun through all these scenarios uh, and what that means for his trade value <clears throat> and everything going forward. And is he actually going to play and what's going to happen? What was your first reaction to this? Like the most basic level is like, okay, if he comes back, that's one thing. But this timing is actually right before the trade deadline. So the obvious right. Occam's razor here, and maybe we're galaxy braining this, but like the Occam's razor is he's coming back. He's going to take the job from James Conner. But at the same time, he's reporting just in time for to sign his tag and um, get traded because he's not actually allowed to be traded until he signs the franchise tag because he's not signed it yet. So it gives hmm. him a de facto no trade clause. So by signing, he would then be allowed to be traded, shows up conveniently the week of leading up to the trade deadline. So... When you first heard this, like, do you think he's going to play for the Steelers? Or do you think he might be ending up elsewhere? Adam Schefter is actually just tweeting, Pittsburgh is still expected to be interested in listening to trade offers for Bell. He's planning to report later this month would not dissuade the Steelers from making the deal. So, I mean, it kind of seems like they're setting up a trade situation. Um, my first reaction was that week seven return is quite a bit earlier than we were kind of thinking because the original sort of line of thinking was he was going to return before week 10, which would make his contract toll for this year. If he, if he wasn't going to return before week 10, then essentially his contract wouldn't, or his, his season would not toll. And therefore he could have, you can run the risk of being franchised, you know, again next year or whatever. So we kind of all had that week 10 on our, on our minds. And so now when it's week seven, that changes things a little bit. That's only a few weeks out. That definitely changes things for people who have, Le'Veon Bell on their bench and or have been getting, you know, trade requests uh, for Le'Veon Bell or whatever. It just kind of changes the thinking, I think, is now that's one of those situations where, you know, you can wait three weeks and have a guy on your bench and kind of like make do in the meantime. Yeah, so um, I think what we had talked about earlier when our 
RIP uh, segment before was that uh, <laughs> it might actually have been worth waiting potentially for Bell later on to trade him and get maximum value. Now I would actually feel that way about James Conner in that his trade value right now is probably at rock bottom because people are like, oh, he's going to expire at, as soon as week six because he plays the next two weeks. They go on by week seven. They play in week eight and he's gone. And the Steelers aren't known for sharing at running back. So theoretically, you're probably not going to be get anything. But if you wait a little bit and there's either more hype that either Bell gets traded or I think it's very possible they might actually split carries. I mean, more than Bell has in the past, right. which is basically mean he doesn't share at all. Uh, so I would actually not trade Connor yet if you're freaking out. I have Connor in a bunch of leagues and I probably am going to be holding out and hoping that there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel where either he can somehow keep the job. But on the flip side for Bell, if you've held on with this long, congratulations. Uh, you've reached the end of the <laughs> tunnel and it's beautiful. But I still kind of have like this feeling that like this has been too easy because on one hand, like Bell does this where he just will sacrifice all of his leverage in a negotiation for no reason. Like last year, he tweeted like in July or August, <laughs> like I'm going to come yeah. September 1st, which in theory yeah. deletes all of his like leverage. And then he right. did it, uh, which doesn't necessarily make sense negotiating wise, but he, that's, that's his like, I know he does it. So this time, on one hand, I don't want to overthink this. And I think he might just show up and play for them and make this playoff run. The other part of me is thinking that it's a bat signal to all these teams. Like, yo, like I will sign my tender. I will come and trade for me and I'll play for you for the final stretch. But I also kind of right. think it doesn't necessarily make sense for him to play anywhere but Pittsburgh because his agent has heavily implied that he wants to have this like historic record-setting per-game pace for these final games he returns to, that he's going to use this small sample and erase all the doubts and basically concentrate the physical energy expense and toll over a whole season into these few games, and that they want to, like, really, that's their plan to kind of reset the market. It should be unbelievable. So I don't think he could do that anywhere but Pittsburgh because he can't learn, I mean, never mind learning plays, you have to learn names, you know what I mean? Like, you don't even know who you're playing right. for blocking, like, the Steelers line knows how to block from specifically because he's this weird patient running style, which is like yep, yep. overhyped at this point. But it's real in terms of like you need to know how to block for him. I don't. I still actually am not sure it makes sense to trade him. I think he has more value with Pittsburgh than anywhere else. But if you have so at this point, like, would you trade for Bell? Or are you kind of worried that he might not be as good as advertising? He might just be rusty. If you're a team that's willing to trade for Bell, I think you have to be pretty desperate in in the sense that. I mean, you're thinking like he's going to be the kind of player that put you over the top and may give you a playoff run. You know, the Jets were a team, I think, that were linked to him uh, earlier on in the season when they were, <laughs> I think there was a little bit more excitement around their defense and what Darnold was doing. Now they're one and three. Doesn't really look so great for them, you know, going into the playoff situation. I don't know if the Jets are really going to, you know, spend like a second or third round pick in order to, you know, basically rent the guy for the rest of the season. Now, if you look around the league, how many teams do you think are in the situation right now where they desperately need a running back of his ilk? I, I mean, I think like, very few. I, who very who few. comes to mind? I mean, teams with cap space and maybe think they can make the playoffs. Dolphins, Jets, maybe, but I really don't think Buccaneers. Buccan, yeah, Buccaneers is an interesting one. Thank you, full time Craig. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it makes sense. Because we discussed this. The, I'm forgetting what we talked about. Ronald Jones, though. I'm mixing up what we talked about earlier in the pod versus the now deleted segment <laughs> that will never air. <laughs> right. See the light of day. But basically, the floor for a trade is if the Steelers just let him walk in free agency, they're going to get a compensatory pick. And compensatory picks sound complicated, but basically, it's like when a free agent leaves, it's like the NFL 
treats it like the team got broken up with in a relationship and they're like, oh, sorry, we'll buy you a beer. Like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and they buy him a beer and the beer is like the third round pick and they're like, it's an apology. Like sucks right. to suck. So the Steelers are going to get a third round pick almost certainly for Bell if he leaves. So that's kind of the floor negotiations, which is actually a broader NFL trend. It's why you see all these second round picks for Sammy Watkins or expiring guys. It's basically, we'll give you a slight premium like goodwill above the third round pick the Bills were going to get for Sammy Watkins or like the Chiefs would have gotten if Marcus Peters left in free. Like it's bumping up the third to a second round pick. So it doesn't really make sense for any of these teams to trade a second because they can't give him a long-term deal, right? Uh, right. Because it's like the Steelers, they have to do an under the table thing, which is complicated and wouldn't make sense because Bell wants to hit the open market. So a second round's too much for a rental of eight games or whatever for a very high, highly paid running back. So he's probably going to be a Steeler. I think that's where we're landing. So (laughs) for fantasy purposes, so for fantasy purposes, what does that mean? I think the simplest and like most realistic and maybe most boring answer is I don't think he's going to be, I'd love for him to be this record setting, like blazing dude. But in reality, there's that there's who he's been, which is arguably the best running back ever through 61 career games or whatever he's played. And he's probably not going to be this rusty shell of himself. He's probably somewhere in the middle. And I don't think he'll have like the 98% death grip he's had on carries in his career thus far. Um, it might be frustrating. I also think he won't be himself in week eight. I'm not sure I'd play him in week eight, even off the bye, because it's like, right. who knows what his carry splits will be with James Conner. So even he's dangerous to play that week. So I think the question is, weirdly, do you sell high? This is a weird question. Ride the wave of excitement. I mean, I think along the range of somewhere between Dalvin Cook to Kareem Hunt to Christian McCaffrey, like people are going to be interested and whether you can get a premium, I think McCaffrey's probably toward the premium end um, versus down the line. Like it's actually interesting what you can get from right now versus what you can get from a few weeks. Um, Would you hang on to him and see if he plays or are you afraid of the risk of like two weeks before the fantasy football trade deadline, which is like November 19th or whatever, um, you basically have one or two games where he has to look good or else you might not be able to get anything for him. So that's the other factor I'm here. conservative about it. Like, I wouldn't probably trade a whole lot to go get him. I guess I know I guess, full-time Craig, here, Steelers fan, maybe he's got an opinion on here's this. Here's my question for you, Craig. Is Le'Veon Bell a sunk cost if you own him or is he a trade asset that you're trying to maximize? Or are you just, like, excited to have him? Whatever he gives you, he gives you. Whatever guy you're thinking about, like Christian McCaffrey, let's say you want to trade Christian McCaffrey or Le'Veon or, or vice versa. I think you should take what you think Christian McCaffrey will make every week, points-wise. Let's say he puts up 20 a week. Le'Veon at his peak, maybe he puts up 25 a week. Le'Veon has 10 weeks to play if he plays week eight. You do his 25 points times 10, and you do McCaffrey's 20 times the 13 weeks remaining that he's going to play. And if one outweighs the other, you make the trade. And if you think Le'Veon's going to put up that 25 a week, and that's going to outscore Christian McCaffrey's 20 in 13 weeks, you do it. My thinking on this actually, even despite everything changing since our first conversation about this, actually is weirdly (laughs) still the same thing in that what we were talking about was whether or not he'd return around the first week of November. In reality, that's still happening. He's coming back. I guess the first game he can play is going to be this October 20th game against the Browns. And again, I'm working with the assumption he will come back and for the Steelers. And maybe that game he's going to split carries. But... I think that basically this isn't like, whether you're going to trade for him or, or deal like uh, deal him away or same with James Conner. Making a trade of that magnitude is about like what is your season? What are you doing with your season? Your fantasy season, and you have to where really you? be honest and take stock of like where are you? If you are fighting for a playoff spot and you are like two and three or whatever, and you really don't know what's going on, or you're one and three or whatever's going on. That's so different to me than if you're 4-0. If you are 4-0 and you have the inside track for the playoffs and you're thinking first round by and or like you're thinking for the chip. You've already accomplished step one, which is make the playoffs. Step two is then to dominate in December. So go get Le'Veon. 
Go, Le'Veon's way more valuable to me, way more interesting, because if he rounds, takes two weeks to round into form, mm-hmm. that's way more interesting to me. If you are like one in three, you need someone to play for you in October because Le'Veon Bell coming back on <laughs> right. Halloween doesn't mean jack shit if you're two and five on Halloween and you're not going to miss make the playoffs. <laughs> you need to get to step one, which is make the playoffs. Step two is win. And that's the order of operations you have to go in. I am thinking fundamentally differently depending on where I am in that process. So if you have Le'Veon and you kind of just don't want to waste another five weeks of this, maybe deal him to a contender or the team who has James Conner and it's like freaking out. Um, but on the flip side, maybe if there's any doubts in the coming weeks, like maybe there's a conflicting report, maybe there's a report he might get traded. Maybe then that's a moment to swoop in because I wouldn't trade for him right now because I feel like whoever's had him is like ecstatic. But if there's any reports that like maybe this was a, a tactic or something, a negotiating thing, I might swoop mm-hmm. in if you're like undefeated or whatever and grab him from someone. But yeah, this is a good way for the rich to get richer in a fantasy league. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, but it, yeah, it's I like, like a Warriors, yeah. but it's a Warriors-esque move, right? Like step on their throats. <laughs> like, oh, great. You're the best. Season. Like go sign Durant. Yeah. It's really intriguing. And you kind of have to swing for the fences if you're trying to win. Right. And that this is the kind of thing yeah. you want difference makers and you're the end of your bench should be pure upside. And that this is the highest risk, highest reward upside move we can ever remember in like fantasy football. A dude who just might not fucking play <laughs> out of like sheer. Yeah, this is like a weird, unique scenario. Yeah, it's like, it's like a hypothetical thing that happened to happen in real life. It's it's crazy. I still think it's very likely that when he gets up to speed, he's going to be the number one running back in fantasy. Realistically, I don't think the people who have Le'Veon Bell and awaited are going to trade him. No. I think it's more prudent to discuss Connor. And with him, it's kind of like, I, I would wait a few weeks and, and keep him. Because at this point, his value can go You're up. You're selling low right now. Yeah, this is rock bottom for him. It's not going to get... Because at the very least, you're probably going to hold on with through the playoffs because if Le'Veon Bell t- like, you know, strains his hamstring, which is quite common for guys who hold out, you, know, you come back, you're in shape or whatever, and then you strain your hamstring. At the very least, you know James Conner's like a top eight guy on a weekly basis anytime Le'Veon Bell misses. So I, I, he's not someone I would ever cut, literally ever. But yeah, now that he's expiring, the idea that he even might be able to take over the job again would spring him back up. So yeah, to all the Le'Veon Bell owners, you guys did it. You should be proud of yourselves. Give yourselves a tap on the back. Um, you won today. And to all the James Conner owners, the night is darkest just before the dawn. And maybe trade for Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> on that note, uh, DK, I'll see you on Friday, man. All right. All right thank good, you to man. Jim and full-time Craig. Thanks again to FanDuel. Football season is underway, and that's why we're so excited to be playing on FanDuel. FanDuel has never been more fun or easy. It's the place to play if you're not a fantasy expert. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before, like the Gridiron Pick'em Contest every week. New users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. So come play with us at FanDuel.com slash The Ringer. That's FanDuel.com slash The Ringer. 